sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. Hey, what's up everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news, we're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising, and in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode, fill out a little survey so we know what, we, so we know what you want, uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. Yep. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, staring at the beautiful face of Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. God, I, mate, I take it back. <laughs> Why are you, wouldn't you smile? It's it's worse than anything I've ever seen. This is the second conversation I've had today about how awful my <laughs> smile is. Okay. Um, all right, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, we're going to talk about SESTA-FOSTA, the act that passed. Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. How could you vote against that? Oh, my God. It's an immediate slam ad against any politician that would, so you know what? They didn't. And we're going to speak with a sex worker, Sam, who's been in the business for six years. Uh, he has a lot of insight into this situation, and I cannot wait to do a deep dive and figure out what the heck is going on. Also, we're going to be uh, interviewing our friend Sarah Lyons. Hello, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? She wrote an incredible article for Vice called Racists Are Threatening to Take Over Paganism. So we're going to get into that in just a second. But just some brief news. The lawyer of Donald Trump, Michael Cohen, he's having a bad week. <laughs> His office was raided yesterday by, uh, well, by the FBI. Mm -hmm. It's not in connection with Mueller's Russia investigation. However, Mueller, throughout the Russian investigation, uncovered a little bit of information that he passed on to his buddies, probably just the office next door, mm -hmm. uh, and knocked on their door and said, you know, check out Michael Cohen. Of course, he is the lead lawyer for Donald Trump, or one of the lead lawyers for Donald Trump, the one who paid out Stormy Daniels the $130,000 in hush money October of 2016, just a couple of weeks uh, before the election. We don't know what they found. Uh, probably some very interesting nudes. Uh, <laughs> some some fascinating some Michael what? Cohen. You mean uh, Cohen, nudes of Cohen? I don't know what they're doing <laughs> in those offices, but we don't know exactly what was found. But nonetheless, that is a very significant uh, turn of events. You have to have, uh, you know, 
Obviously, a judge has to sign off, and as Marcus mentioned before the show, client uh, privilege is very real, and for them to circumvent that, they must they must be on to something. They have to have something huge for them to get client attorney privilege waived on a search warrant. This is, yes. this is uh, I wouldn't say unprecedented, but damn near. And this I can't is, recall anything like this happening. And this is something we've been saying since the beginning of the Trump presidency, even before, is the longer that man is in office, the more dirty laundry is going to come out. Trump is going to be fine. All of his friends are going to be dead that's what he's he's gonna be okay at the end of all this you think he's gonna start on like a, a putin uh polinium three spree i think he's got a show on rt lined up ready to go <laughs> also will i mean i don't want to yada yada this but there was a chemical attack in syria uh, <laughs> it's absolutely horrible uh there's a lot of speculation some people the Sort of fringe ideas is the CIA did it really? uh, so that the U.S. would be forced to say in Syria. Uh, but who knows? Because, of course, the, the, the chemical gas came from Saudi Arabia. But there was so much chemical weapons, so much weaponry in general sold on the black market uh, in the Middle East. Uh, Saudi Arabia has its fingerprints all over everything. So I don't give a lot of credence to the idea that the CIA uh, were the perpetrators of this chemical uh, attack to then keep us in Syria. And it seems like Donald Trump wants to get out anyway, uh, judging from what he said earlier today with his officials but again he might say something different tonight you can't trust a single thing that he says we no, know this we that's why it's so funny because you know he was talking about possibly going under oath with Mueller, and even his and i call them fans even his <laughs> fans are like you you cannot not lie <laughs> so you can't go under oath you know yeah. he's not like bill clinton uh you know where he's going to be able to manipulate uh, the uh, the investigator or the interviewer for two hours and you know uh, get off clean. I Although mean, of course uh, Bill Clinton did get in quite a bit of trouble for lying. I mean his supporters know he's dirty. That's part of what well, they, they know like. he can't. They know he can't tell the truth. Yeah, I mean yeah. But that's part of what they like about him. They like that he's well, dirty. Well, it is fun, <laughs> and this is what I've said the whole time. His lot. That's why misinformation is seen ten times more than real information yeah. because misinformation is a good time. Um, all right, so that's just a brief uh, little recap of what's happening this week. Obviously, very significant events. Let's move on to speak with our friend Sarah Lyons. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is great. You also do you do a tarot card reading show on Vice also. Yes, I'm the I'm something of the witch in residence at Vice right now. So I very have, cool. Yeah, so I have um, a weekly show on Facebook Live where I read people's tarot cards. We bring on celebrities and people around the Vice Ooh, network. Who's the biggest celebrity? Biggest celebrity I've yet read for was Vinny from the Jersey Shore. Ooh, <laughs> Vinny! Is he back at it? He is back at it. It. Um, <laughs> what was he doing in the... F What's he back at? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Well, that's, you know... That's why do I know who Vinny is? <laughs> we all know who Vinny is. I know, but why? I don't I don't know. It's a cultural <laughs> osmosis. Did he pull the tower? He didn't pull the tower, but there was there was a lot of bad stuff in the reading. There was, there was a lot of sad stuff. It was a lot of like, well, am I going to be famous again? And the oh, cards were oh, like, no. maybe stop thinking about wanting to be famous oh, again. Oh, <laughs> so you're saying that Vinny from the Jersey Shore's future is dark and full of sadness? Oh, well, you, know, you got to watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you have to. That, that's Thursdays at Watch eight. it live. Yeah, um, Thursdays, are right, we usually go live around 1 p.m. So. Oh, 1 p.m. Thursdays, Facebook Live. Check that out. Uh, I was reading this article that you wrote, Racists are threatening to take over paganism, and I thought it was absolutely fascinating. You wrote this for Vice. The growing presence of racists in American pagan communities threatens to tear the faith apart. Uh, I had no idea that the alt-right, white supremacists, white nationalists were so into Odin and Thor and all this stuff. Where does this come from? Did you not pay attention during our black metal <laughs> episodes at all? I, I don't really, but I didn't really. That was like half of the, that was half the point of it. But we didn't really talk too political with them. It was more musical. 
No, we talked very much about Varg Vikernes and uh, his uh, beliefs of Asapru and things like that, and you know where he eventually went. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It's always news to me. Little footnote. Little footnote of history. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was actually somewhat more of a footnote of of the story, like Varg Vikernes and all of his white supremacist yeah. stuff, because a lot of that stuff. I didn't came recall that he was an actual white supremacist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was. I think maybe I, I'm a bit confused because me and Henry went way down the rabbit hole on Varg's uh, current YouTube career. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Where I do recall that. Yeah. Where he's a, he makes you know tons of videos, uh, and they range from him talking about his belief. In uh, a Asatru. true. Uh th- That's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Alsatru and all that. Uh, and he talks about that. But then the next video will be about like how to change a carburetor on a VW van. <laughs> See, that's got to be confusing for his fans because you do have to know how to change a carburetor. Yeah. And he also. He, but the funny thing is that he has the exact same tone for all of it. Like he does not <laughs> monotone. It, yeah. It's just this monotone, weird, like how everything is of equal importance, both well, Thor and a carburetor. You would think a guy named Var would be a little bit more interesting to listen to, but I guess not. <laughs> so what's going on with the with the alt-right, and uh, how are they taking over paganism? Well, I think, first of all, it's good to put this into kind of a context, which I think you guys did do when you did your black metal episode. You mm-hmm. kind of... Um, uh, investigating its roots, going all the way back to Nazi Germany, and really before that, even going back to um, the occult revival in Germany and in Europe in the nineteen, uh, the late nineteenth century, early twentieth mm. century, and I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of that happening right now. So, in some ways, I don't think it's too shocking because we're kind of seeing we're living in the midst of another occult revival right now. So, in general, the occult is becoming more popular on the left and the right. Right. But the the right um, has a particular interest in sort of Nordic, Northern European paganism because for several reasons, one of which, and I think one of the more significant reasons and something that I think will be more significant going forward in the future, is that um, it gives their movement a sort of uh, historical legitimacy that they Mm. really need. Um, Something that happens a lot when you talk to white nationalists or um, white supremacists or Odinists who identify in you know in a, in a racist way, they um, although they wouldn't call themselves racist, but they but what, what would they refer to themselves as? Um, they would consider themselves identitarians. Identitarians. Would, I know. What are they? <laughs> identitarians. It only sounds identities. like they. I only eat marshmallow fluff. I'm an identitarian. <laughs> no, well, yeah, they um they'll they'll never they don't like and actually the people that you know did send me angry messages on Twitter and, and angry emails most most of them didn't have a problem with anything I said in the article. They were just like, well, we're not racist though. Like but that's no, not racist. Uh, I just love my race, you know. Well, right, but isn't that to oftentimes? Be proud of yourself. That's fine, but I think oftentimes they switch it to also then demonizing other races, right? Well, sure, and it's. I think that the the idea to them is that the um, they whenever you talk to these people, the first thing that they'll kind of bring up is something along the lines of, you know, isn't wasn't it terrible what we did to the Native Americans? Like, wasn't it terrible what we did to, you know, places in Africa? And you're like, right. yeah, sure, I, I agree. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, nowadays, wouldn't it be, you know, uh, you know, hubris for one of us to just walk into a Native American reservation, demand to be part of their ceremonies and stuff? And you're like, okay, yeah. And then it's like, well, why should they have a right to our ceremonies and our stuff right 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 so it's like you know the the, the difference mm-hmm. is that you know native americans are trying to hold on to a t- tradition that hasn't yet died but is at, at risk of dying out because of colonialization and because mm-hmm. of you know um the u.s government and various things like that whereas in you know nordic paganism died out like that that was a dead religion and it wasn't tied to race to begin with mm. and it certainly isn't tied to race through any sort of lineage or passed on tradition so there's a, there's a big difference between that and sort of indigenous religions around the world but they like to put it on the same 
uh, platform and the same level as that. And that gives them sort of the spiritual justification for the creation of a white ethno state. So how big are we talking here? How many people do you think are actually, uh, you know, involved in this kind of alt-right pagan movement? It's hard to say because I think that, um, you know, there's there's something around, I think, I put it in the article and I'm totally totally forgetting but I think I think that there's been an estimate around 8000 Odinists in the, in America okay. but it's it's been getting bigger over the years and and it de- and it depends on if you're counting people within prisons or outside of prisons it depends um, on how it paganism in general is a very hard thing to kind of place any numbers on because people might you know call themselves pagan and identify as a pagan to their friends but they might on a survey put down other right right so it's hard to kind of suss out the exact numbers of of pagans and then beyond that people who are going to openly identify as a white nationalist and a pagan at the same time you write here in the article uh white powers embrace of paganism was on full display at the tragic unite the right rally in charlottesville virginia in august of 2017 one notorious pagan present was stephen mcnailen the founder of the austru folk did I do it? <laughs> also true. Also true, folk. Um, so it seems like they are able to really organize now much more than they were before. Yeah, McNallan is an interesting figure. Um, you know, it's, it's there's been some... I, I have it on good authority that, that he was at that rally and there's been some photos released of him there. But there's, you know, he he's someone who tries to stay out of the public eye, you know, uh, to a certain extent, although he has a show on this um, far right a radio show Red Ice now but um and his videos are are wild but yeah. um yeah but there's a um they they are organized to a certain extent you know i think McNallen has done a good job of kind of organizing also through and also through folk assembly around this kind of idea he's really been instrumental in pushing this movement farther to the right but um i think that there's you know, the, the right in general right now is kind of in free fall a little bit right. because um, recently uh, one of their main leaders, Matt Heimbach, was arrested over a hilarious um, brawl in a trailer park involving a, like a, uh, how do I say, this? an affair with his director of communications wife that was also huh. his niece. And it's and one of them had to run to a Walmart to call the cops. It's it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, need, you need to read this story. It's, it's what? An so he was tale. having an affair with his communications director. They were doing no, his, something. His to... communication director's wife. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Keep in mind that these are the people who love to use the word cuck as an insult. Right? Oh, sure. So, and he actually watched his friend have sex with his wife like through the window of the trailer. Like he tiptoed up and looked. <laughs> um, that's, that is yes, what happened, absolutely. Right? And, yeah, the, yeah. and the box <laughs> Yeah. The box he was standing on literally broke under his own weight, and he like had to run to the Walmart nearby to call the cops, and and the the cops came and were just like, "Well, this is quite a situation we walked <laughs> yeah. into." They literally, um, yeah. I think, put their when the cops asked for their um, profession, they put white nationalist on it. So As yeah. a profession, it's, yeah. it's a profession. No, yeah, it's, it's very exhausting. <laughs> like the all right cannot get their shit. To, like they well right. they can't keep their shit together because we also were uh, thinking about doing an episode on the last podcast about uh, the the Satanists that are starting to come into the white nationalists and are starting to right. inter, uh, inter fighting with each other. Mm. It's like they just can't decide who they are. Yeah, it's a real, they're really having a crisis of identity and I think that that's why I wanted to write specifically about paganism in the far right because, um, I mean, one, I am a pagan and, and this is an issue that affects me and my community but, right. you know, I think it's also... Um, the, the white nationalism and far right politics are they can be very hollow movements and very hollow identities. You're really mm-hmm. at a certain point not fighting for something. You're, you're constantly fighting against something. You know, I don't like immigrants. I don't like queer people. I don't like women. I don't like feminism. I don't like this. 
And, you know, at a certain point, that just becomes completely um, unsustainable. Like we've seen that with the Democratic Party and liberals, I think, in general, that was on full display with the Hillary Clinton campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I just I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not him. I'm not this. And it's like, what are you? What are you? Yeah. Um, So I think that, you know, we've seen that crash and burn in spectacular ways, you know, from the center. And now. So this is they're attempting to find a soul for their political movement. Yeah, I think. And isn't it ironic they're choosing paganism and Satanism for that? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, the Christian identity movement really had its moment in the late 80s, early 90s. And that kind of, you know, you guys covered this a lot in last podcast. Mm -hmm. um, But they that really blew up literally with Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, ever since then. Yeah. Christian identity, I think, ever since then has been kind of on the decline. Right. Right now. Yeah. No, because with Timothy McVeigh, that was that was a Christian. He was more tied to Christianity. Do you think that that do you think a next Timothy McVeigh might be brewing within these communities that are now embracing paganism and, uh, and Satanism and attaching it to I mean, that and sort of white nationalist identity? Well, especially like a, a history of the Vikings. If you read it in a certain way, is a violent history. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say because you know you can you uh, these are again these are ancient myths that were created in a very different context than what we're living in right now, and um, there are no ancient leaders from that time that we can speak to who have been handed down this tradition to kind of give it a contextualization. So you can read a myth and say, you know, Thor is uh, and Odin are cool with war because they are, you know, these, you know, these gods that typify kind of masculinity and and uh, a warmongering nature. Or you right. can look at it and say, actually, you know, Odin is this very wise god and he wouldn't wander into battle without, you know, having a due cause to do so. Right. So that's it's hard. Um, I think that there it, we could see. We've already seen violence come from this movement. You know, the the Wolves of Violent, um, in particular, have been involved with some... Their uh, name actually, is the Wolves of Violence? The, the Wolves of Vineland, sorry. Oh, um, I see. Like Vinland. Oh, okay. Um, and they've been involved in some uh, some acts of violence. They um, burned down a black church. One of their members burned down a black church a few years ago, and he's he's back out on the streets now, um, back with the Wolves. Um, I mentioned a la that a Varg uh, as well, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've already seen acts of violence be perpetrated, and we've already seen... Things like that happen. So I think it could get worse. Absolutely. But I hmm. think that it's going to it's going to really depend on for me when I look at this movement. They're they're really on the edge of a knife right now where it could really swing one way or another. You know, Richard Spencer just canceled the rest of his college speaking tour. Oh, my due God. To I watched. Antifa. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I watched his uh, Facebook live. It's, <laughs> it's not enough to fill a booth at a Ponderosa. There was like four people there. It was so sad. He dresses very well. I he mean, does. that's kind of the funny thing with the alt right now. Their packaging is fairly good, the I packaging suppose. packaging of their leaders. The other guys are not uh, quite yeah. so photogenic. Right. Yeah. So when you mention this, I mean, it's interesting to me, religion and stuff, because I'm not a religious person. Um, do they actually see, do they, like, believe he's a god? Like the Thor Is it, or is it all, is it, because, I mean, I see him as a comic book hero. <laughs> that's, that's like, I'm like, yeah. he's, he's got great pecs, and I love him. Yeah. And the Norse, um, but, and the Norse myths, but specifically, But do they really like, buy into it, do you think? Well, it's, it's kind of like Norse myths, like, you know, once you start getting, like, the poetic Edda and, and things like that, like, they're probably not going to be talking about the, like, the poem in which, like, Thor shat out a squirrel named Ratatosk. <laughs> Why the hell would they talk about that one? <laughs> like, they're going to gloss over. How'd the squirrel over. get up there? <laughs> it's a whole thing. Well, what? and, and they don't whole. talk about the myths where 
Thor and um, Thor and Odin dress up in women's clothing to go to spy on some giants. Yeah, you know? they're not going to talk about the kind of queer parts of Norse mythology. They're only going to talk right. about the, the really masculine, like yeah. hardcore stuff. Yeah, they're going to talk about like the the cool stuff. Well, you know? what they're, they're going to gloss over everything else. It's a very, I mean, it's a complicated. It's an extremely complicated. If like trying to read the poetic yeah. Edda mm-hmm. is, it's not impossible, but it's. Have you ever tried? Reading yes, that I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, it's it's beautiful stuff. But it every is. now and then you're just like, oh, this is. I'm getting this. Uh, 2,000 years too late without any context and I don't know yeah. why this dragon is here and wh- yeah. where, where'd that squirrel come from? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. How the heck did the squirrel get up there? <laughs> but my goodness. Well, you never really know what's going on anymore, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really don't. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it's I've never really seen like these guys in particular really get into the actual like worship of it like yeah it's it's really it's difficult because some people are are very much you know uh some people are very much into the religion of it that's you know that's their identity and then from that flows kind of a, a more there's kind of two ways that it can go right um and this is something i kind of try to articulate in the piece is mm-hmm. that there's there's the people who get into Alcetru and odinism and heathenry because they just you know like that stuff that's just what they believe right and um before you, before long, they start repeating far right and white nationalist talking points. Well, depending how on does what group they get how to, does yeah. it happen? How how do I? Because I'm still like, how do the mm-hmm. two merge? I think it goes to the idea, like I was saying earlier, that you um, you're part of this white tribal identity kind of community. Like you, you're, they give you a tribal identity and then say, well, that tribal identity is under attack from immigration, from feminists, from uh, cultural Marxists, what have you, and they. Uh, you know it and so you can say like oh well what we want is what what i always say is that they want to go back to like the risk board idea mm-hmm. of the world where it's mm-hmm. like okay all the purples are over here and all the blues are over here and right. all the greens are over here and then we'll have peace because like if we just separate the mm-hmm. races and everyone just gets to like live in their own little world and do whatever they want with you know people that look like them then everything will be great well which is and of course like, why they they love japan so much yes. because yeah. that is exactly what they do mm-hmm. yeah. and also and also where they there's some weird stuff around israel too like there's a yeah. real they've they've got real mixed opinions on Israel because that is kind of an ethno state and they do kind of uh they they it's like we don't like Jews but that's where we'll put the Jews when when we have our our perfect white ethno state here in America. I mean but isn't the just go to North Dakota. <laughs> As a matter well, a of fact, them, a lot of them do. Like I think you you Welcome wrote to your, leave. I think you wrote in uh in your article about them like building a village in where was that in Montana? That's in uh Western Tennessee, I believe. Western Tennessee. Yeah, wow. and that has all the and going back to what we were saying earlier about Oklahoma City. I mean, I think that that has all mm. the 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 makings of another Elaheim city right there, mm-hmm. but a, a pagan Elaheim city as opposed to, you know, a Christian one. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think a lot of these guys, like how it just conflates is it. I, I think this stuff gives them an anchor. Yes, I, exactly. It, it gives yeah. them it gives them an anchor. Mm-hmm. It kind of uh, it gives them some sort of legitimacy. I mean, right. And, and it's so ironic how it went from like Christian identity to this. But well, that mm-hmm. Odinism ended up destroying Christian identity when <laughs> in the original you know, story, it was the other way around. Right. Completely, yeah. where Christianity completely. Odin's revenge. Dis- yes. Odin's revenge. <laughs> Odin's revenge. Very cool. The bounds have returned. It seems <laughs> scary to me because you know we go through when we were traveling last year so much um you see all these kids with the make america great again hats very young it, again going back to my understanding of thor which is a comic book character mm-hmm. it, it seems like a slow step um or I, I can see how children like thor for that reason and then slowly become uh mm-hmm. into the alt-right and maybe they don't even realize that they're spewing this kind of rhetoric it's very yeah. dangerous to have it tied to a child's character 
Don't you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, as far as indoctrination goes, you can watch all of his movies when you're 10. And was, then when you're 16 and you're politically revved up, <laughs> next thing you know, you're, you're looking at these folks who have the same tattoos that you uh, might want to get. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, I think also, I mean, so Odinism and, and heathenry and these things are, are a growing presence on the far right, but they haven't yet become the main motivator. What I, what I kind of... Uh, hint at at the article and what what I've kind of you know I spent a year working on this piece and I spent a year kind of you know investigating this kind of world and looking at some websites I really would rather have forgotten I looked at and stuff like that right. but um you know I think that it's a, it's growing because if you look at the left for instance the the left in the you know the early 2000s really seemed like it was going the way of like a staunch secular secularism mm-hmm. excuse me um that you know atheism was going to become just the new norm of the left and that you know uh we were going to move away from all the kind of uh, Christian progressivism of the 19th century that was finally going to be put to rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, that had a stronghold for about a decade. And now we're seeing this kind of occult witchcraft, um, you know, uh, astrology sort of revival on the left in some ways. And I think right. that the the right tends to follow the left um, when it comes to social movements like this and tactics. Mm. So I think that this is the beginnings of what we're going to see because right now the far right has a huge atheistic presence in it and that's that's truly growing as well. But I think that if you combine um, atheism with this kind of far right doctrine and ideology, that's going to just kind of become harsh nihilism at a certain point and people don't want to live in that kind of world. No. So you need a certain at a certain point to kind of give something give people an idea that they're fighting for something beyond themselves, something greater, that they belong to a lineage of people that go back to this great civilization Mm -hmm. and you can do that again and what we need to do to get it to get back to that is to get rid of all these communists and immigrants and right. things like that you know yep. it's don't, just it's 101 huh? yeah don't fight for hate fight for odin yeah yep. exactly all right well thank you so much for coming on sarah and talking about thank that. you guys so much for bringing me on to talk about it this was great i learned a lot oh well, thank you and you have you. to stick around um because now we're going to move on we're going to talk about sesta and fosta again it's the stop enabling sex traffickers act it's going to have Huge implications for individuals who are sex workers, for people who uh, might uh, be cam uh, performers. There's a lot to get to here, so I'm uh, pleased to have Sam with us. Sam, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, it's really heartening when people who are not sex workers actually want to talk about this. Well, I tried, Um, and and no one was buying. It's stunning. You would be surprised. (laughs) Honestly, we we there's a thing we say in the industry like. Any, anyone, there is a market for anyone. Yeah. Trust me, you might not be the busiest, but right. you can, yeah. you know, as long as you're willing to be uh, flexible on your rates and your marketing uh-huh. is good, then yeah. you can probably make it happen. And at some point, I'll just realize that I'm touching myself in front of a mirror and uh, it's not a camera and no one's watching. Then more people go to McDonald's and Arby's, but that doesn't mean that Arby's isn't good. You know what? Now I understand. I'm the Arby's of sex. <laughs> So you have been in the business. You've been a sex worker for six years. Uh, This act just passed under the guise of um, ending human sex trafficking. Uh, There's a lot to unravel here, but let's just start with what are the implications, unintended consequences, or I think in many ways intended consequences uh, that were just not uh, discussed because this also has implications. We were talking about paganism. The religious right has been trying to do this kind of stuff for a long time. Same thing. uh, They tied uh, the removal of Cosmopolitan magazine out of the Walmart uh, checkout aisles to the Me Too movement. They're finding these social movements. As a matter of fact, as you just said, Sarah, they're kind of following the left and using those as a catalyst to get through some of their very conservative um, uh, political ideals. 
What are the implications of this, SESTA-FOSTA? There is so much to unpack here. Um, I think where I would start, and this is something that Sarah and I were talking about, uh, you know, when when we first met up, uh, there, uh, I think there is an increasing um, amount of, what's the word I'm looking for, um, controlling of free speech. Sure. Um, and I think that's really what a lot of this is about. Um, and sex is a really easy thing to attack sex workers in general because right. really no one cares about sex workers except sex workers. We're demonized across the board, the left mm-hmm. and the right. Um, you know, the right just hates sex and is afraid of sex. And the left um, thinks that we can't possibly want to do this consensually. So, right. And this um, is something that's been going on since way back in the 1970s. Like, for example, like the satanic panic uh, was actually, that was a joint thing between the left and the right because that was the one thing that they could come together on mm. uh, was pornography. Is that yep. the far left and the far right, the one thing that they both hated and that they could both get on was pornography and, and sex mm. work. And mm. that was their first uh, foray into... You know, looking down, you know, hunting down groovy people and fucking them over. <laughs> Good, weird dog the bounty hunter type. I hunt down groovy people and I fuck them over. So go just with your personal experience, because sure. I know you've been in the industry now yeah. for six years. How are you feeling when you saw this past? What were you, did you think, how is this going to affect your life? I can say for myself and the people in my life, we are all terrified right now. I know people who are worried about being able to eat this week. The issue is largely that, you know, even though this hasn't been signed, it's not, you know, completely Mm -hmm. uh, good to go. I mean, we know that Trump will sign it in. Yeah. It's highly unlikely that, you know, it'll go some radically different way. Right. Um, A lot of uh, advertising platforms, online advertising platforms are preemptively Uh, shuttering their doors because um, really the implications of the legislation is that in the past, you know, a place like Backpage, um, the idea was, well, as long as you uh, have some writing on your website saying that, you know, you don't condone sex trafficking, uh, then you're fine. Now it's saying, actually, no, you aren't fine. Um, If there is sex trafficking happening on your website, uh, that's your responsibility to deal with. And so would it be fair to say that like SESTA and FOSTA, just so we can kind of lay it out, I mean, it's cracking down on sex workers and, and cracking down on websites uh, that mm-hmm. facilitate the the safe transaction of sex work, but they're shutting all this down under the guise of uh, cutting down on human trafficking. That's essentially what it is. Yes. Right? And I mean, to break some things down, it largely is focusing on the platforms um, and online advertising. I mean, it even expands to places like Twitter, where Twitter is shadow banning sex workers. So, you know, because we use hashtags, et cetera. Right. Twitter is actually a great platform for advertising. Yeah, of course. Might not. A lot of people are surprised to hear that, but that's where a lot of us get our work. Yeah. Um, So... Really, the issue is, okay, platforms are shutting down, so we no longer have safe places to advertise. A lot of people, especially um, survival and low-income sex workers, are relegated to doing street-based sex work again. Right. Um, But also... When you say um, sex work, is it mostly... Uh, cam stuff or is it is it escorts or what kind of so so really this mostly affects 
in-person sex workers. Okay. I would say in general, I mean, full service sex workers, escorts, people who have sex for money um, are the ones who will be affected by this the worst. But people like um, who offer erotic massage or uh-huh. in-service um, fetish services, those people are affected the most. People like cam workers are affected too. Um in that, you know, places like Skype are saying, well, no, you can no longer um, do yeah. online sex on Skype. Hmm. Can't have sexual content. I don't what know how they're monitoring mean? that. Yeah, exactly. um, it's kind of terrifying that, well, you know. Well, we do last podcast on the left. Henry is uh, usually out of Los Angeles. He won't wear a shirt a lot in the summer. <laughs> is that is that going to be, like, flagged? As, uh, Who knows? Yeah. That's Who the knows? point. It is a total slippery slope. And when you mention the yeah. First Amendment, it does seem to be under attack with this bill. Yeah, and uh, from my knowledge, I I think uh, the ACLU is already possibly exploring taking that, uh, you know, some legal action against. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's all so vague that right. you know it's it's, it's tough, and you know, um, again, people really just don't care about sex workers. They don't and, care. Yep, and and you know, a thing I was also mentioning earlier is. Uh, People have this extremely skewed perception of uh, what trafficking is and what sex work is and really conflate the two when the reality is, um, you know, I I mentioned a statistic to you that you were shocked by, which is that most people, um, even when they're just arrested for prostitution, I say that in quotes because that's the criminalized term. Right. you know, they're given the option of, hey, the, we can make this easier for you if you just say that you were trafficked. Mm-hmm. And a result, as a result, the statistics of trafficking are wi- like hugely inflated. Right. Totally um, skewed. And the reality is, yes, there are people who are trafficked and right. sex workers there. I know sex workers who now engage le- consensually engage in sex work despite being trafficked at another point in their life, okay. their lives. And you know, it's complicated and there's a difference and they understand the difference. And I think the people who can stop trafficking or largely cut down on it are sex workers. Right. We know the difference. So uh, it's interesting. It does seem like these, uh, as Marcus said before the show, plea deals are just, they're horrible. Yeah. Uh, So what happens, what you're saying is they arrest these people for, as you said, prostitution. That's the the criminal term. They tell them, hey, just say that you were trafficked. It'll be much easier for you. So the numbers just go through the roof when it comes to individuals who are trafficked. What is, um, you mentioned that you know people who were trafficked that now uh, do consensual sex work. Do you have any insight into how that even starts? You know, we think about... Uh, the human the human sex trade it's it's so crazy it's so underground how does it even begin for some people do you have any insight into that are they just are are they kidnapped and thrown into a van and then brought to a, a place where they're drugged and, and, and forced into sex I mean how does it what is it well um from the stories of people I know in my personal life a lot of it comes out of um, especially when we're talking about like underage yeah um in this case I know only uh, women who were trafficked uh, as minors, it is largely that they grew up very poor um, yeah. without much support. Um, they're, you know, they might not be getting the resources that they need at right. home. They get into relationships usually with older men who then, um, you know, see an opportunity and they're like, you know, it's complicated because I also, you know, they're like, 
my relationship with this man was complicated. You know, I I'd cared say, for him yeah. and, you know, uh, at the time it was still the best option for me. Like it's right. um, most of the people I know who are trafficked have complicated feelings around it because they still feel like in some way they were in a less terrible situation. They were at least able mm. to have somewhere to sleep and could feed themselves. And of course, of course, there mm. are situations where people are trafficked and it's like oh, absolutely horrible and yeah. abusive, um, you know. But I think even uh, to kind of tie it in with like consensual sex work, people often want this uh, happy hooker uh, trope to be a thing when the reality is, um, you know, that's not the case. It's more complicated. Uh, capitalism just fucking sucks for everyone. And all work, all of us would like to stay at home and watch Netflix, I think. Right. Um, work just kind of blows. And, you know, sex work included. That, Like, for myself, I'll say, like, I'm chronically ill and mentally ill. And I've never really been able to hold any other kind of job down because of my chronic illness. And... I can with sex work because I make my own schedule and if I need to not work for a few days because I'm in too much pain or feeling way too crazy, I can do that. And, you know, I do have clients that are annoying sometimes or kind of suck, but, you know, and sometimes I have clients who are really lovely and I'm like, wow, this is important work. Do you, Um, is it usually the same uh, clients, um, repeat customers or is it a lot? How do you vet uh, an individual before you actually... Uh, you know, uh, hook up with them or have the relationship with them. Uh, what is that experience like? You know, it really varies across the spectrum um, and largely has to do with privilege. Um, you know, I've personally, you know, been at points in my life where I was a survival sex worker. Where And what do you um, mean by that? I mean where I could not meet my basic needs and as a result like I did sex work to survive, right. literally to be able to eat um you know i was homeless at the time um and would you say like in that situation you take work that you might not have otherwise yes absolutely um Mm -hmm. you know there at that point in time there was no screening there was like okay this will do um let's hope that this turns out fine i'm gonna just use my intuition here whereas now um i'm in a much more privileged position and uh we ask for references from other sex workers. Right. Uh, we have some online platforms that are uh, private to us where you have to uh, be vetted so right. uh, you have access to like blacklists and we share that information online. Um, sometimes and I get people's like work information so there's sure. a wide range. And with this act now, this, this bill, is that going to inhibit your ability to vet people? 100%. Um, okay, and how, why? Under under the very vague wording right. of the act, places like Facebook groups for sex workers mm-hmm. where we talk about sex work or blacklists where we talk about um, unsafe clients, that still falls under um, like pandering. Oh. And um, okay. I think it's, com- it's complicated because, again, the wording is so vague that right. technically, yeah, maybe – that would be an issue. Um, like one major blacklist website took down its um, like message board where like, mm. you know, the blacklist is still up. You can still contribute contribute to it. But the um, message board where people like kind of communicate, they'll just right. be like, hey, how's everyone doing today? So, um, right. That's taken down, for example. It just seems to me like this is going to make everything more dangerous. 
Yes, why, 100%. Why, uh, it's going to push everything underground, make everything more dangerous. Um, I, I'm just interested uh, to hear your perspective on, uh, you know, number one, how, how we have to change, we have to try to figure this out um, and try to get this law off the books. But um, when it comes to, I guess, just the new the new way that uh, sex work is going to have to evolve, it's going to have to change. What do you think sex work looks like now going forward the next four, five, six months, year? I mean, what's going to – are they going to find a way to circumvent this? I always say that hookers are the most resourceful people on the planet. You know, I um, always say that too. <laughs> we have the same catchphrase. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like we've existed forever and we've found ways to do this forever. Like, you know, we're – you like on the whole brilliant entrepreneurs like people right. forget that they forget that we're business owners well, <laughs> it's this really is the weird thing. it is um. literally your small business you are you're the definition of the american dream exactly. republicans should love you yeah. they you know? they do but like in secret right exactly <laughs> i actually heard something i don't know if you've heard about this too but i've i've heard that the sex workers of dc are are thinking about compiling a list Oh, oh, there is a list. Yes, but I, I've heard that they've thought about releasing that list. Well, I think they should. If you're going to pass <laughs> legislation, that's what pisses me off so much about this stuff. People, we all have sex. We all, yeah. do, I mean, it's like. And one thing to really remember, because I, I think with uh, something like this, like I think our, our lizard brains automatically goes like, oh, this is a Republican thing. Like this is something that a Republicans prefer. This is a Richard Blumenthal bill. This is a, okay. Demo- this is a Democrat. Like Out of New York. And Kamala Harris spearheaded this. Yeah, Kamala you know, Harris. Interesting point, Marcus. That's you know, great. It's, it's it's bizarre because Kamala Harris is on Twitter, you know, talking about like the lives of like trans women of color and how we need to like take care of them and support them and like spearheaded Zesta Foster. Like it's right. it, it makes zero sense considering the amount of trans women of color who are sex workers. Right. Um, you know. Who, so who the heck Harris. do you turn to? I mean, Kamala. I mean, she's angling for a possible twenty twenty run. She wants so, to run. You can tell. Yeah, she very much wants to run. And this is the type of bill you mentioned at the top of the at, at the top of the show. You know, like you vote against this, it is a career killer. It is. You oh, know, absolutely. It, it's because they frame all these as uh, you know these are. It's all about protecting children, and of course you should. And Backpages was up to some awful shit. Well, that's like Backpages was absolutely engaged in some bad shit. Right, right, right. Uh, but there are better ways to go. About right. it than this, like instead mm-hmm. of cutting the head, like, it seems like they're cutting the head off the whole thing when well, they don't need to. The thing that is strange to me is it's already illegal, right? Yeah, child sex trade is illegal. Yeah, I don't see why they can't just go prosecute individuals who are uh, on back page one by one and get the because I mean there must be some nefarious people uh, in the industry that you're like you you don't need to be here. Uh, what do you mean by that? As far as actual uh, individuals who are trying to take advantage of children and the real sure. pariah uh, that uh, that are sort of the figurehead of this entire bill. It's, you know, the the strange thing, you know, I um, I spent many years uh, with Backpage as my bread and butter. Okay. Um, you know, so of course, like with my ad being on there, I looked through ads and I'm sure... I'm sure there are some people yeah. on there who are underage, who are minors, who are being trafficked, but... There are definitely, I would say, at at a glance, because I feel like, you know, I, I know what consensual sex work looks like. At a glance, it seemed like most people were there just trying to get by, mm-hmm. pay their fucking bills. What what would be a red flag if you're on Backpage and, and you want to... if. You, you want to make sure that you're doing it right. Uh, what would be a red flag if you see a post, you're like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. This person might be in uh, in trouble. I think I think 
speaking to the person um, yeah. is probably the key. Um, you know, if they're like unwilling to speak with you, um, if they if they're f- even if in their photos they seem super young, that's probably not a good sign. Right. Um, even though the review sites kind of suck in their own way because they like they're gross and a lot of you know they allow like rapists to stay on the review site despite sex workers being like, hey, this guy who belongs to your review site raped me. The review sites are still good in that. They're like, okay, this person is definitely like of age and they're real. And, you know, um, Australia, so, Australia, yeah. for example, has an amazing system where, you know, you have to get verified. And, mm. you know, here's the issue with Backpage. You don't have to be verified to be on there. But Eros, which is like a high end website for advertising, you have to like they literally have my ID. <laughs> they have wow. a photo of my passport, which is scary because I'm sure I am in some kind of system. All of us yeah. who are advertising on the website are right. on on some kind of list, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind being on a list if sex work were decriminalized and I didn't right. have to worry about like some horrible future in which like sex workers are you know, actually persecuted by the government yeah. like, actively and openly. Not that this isn't actively and openly, but like to well, the point where like other people who aren't sex workers believe that it is actively and openly. Well, right. one, one of the things that we really learned on uh, you know, doing last podcast is, you know, we cover a lot of serial killers and yep. serial killers by and large focus on sex workers. Yep. I mean, that is their, that is the, it goes sex workers, number one, gay men, number two. Uh, And like the one thing that we've definitely learned both from, you know, the upper levels of government and even like on the lowest level, the one word that you can use to describe how the government feels, not just our government, but the Canadian government as well. uh, The English government contempt. Like that, that is yeah. the one word that they can, that you can use to describe right. how governments feel about sex workers. Like what, yeah. why? Like what, what is that? What think, is the impetus behind uh, it? You know, I, th- I think it's multiple things. I would say one of it is well, one of the things is patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are probably a lot of feelings around women being, cause it largely the focus is on women. We can talk about like the rent boy situation, but I think that's rooted in homophobia, not you know, I think if there were like a huge, some huge website of like straight men escorts, I don't even know what people would do with that information, honestly. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think a lot of it's rooted in patriarchy and not wanting women to be sexual and profit off of their sexuality. Only other people can profit off of women's sexuality. Well, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, also just we're still puritanical as hell. Yep. We still have really backwards and complicated relationships to sex, especially in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that's rooted in religion. And um, I, it seems simple, but I think that's what it comes down to. I, I leave my bubble of, like, radical, queer, polyamorous, kinky people, yeah. and I realize the rest of the world is not like that. <laughs> um, the rest of the world's really afraid of sex. The rest of the world, like thinks butt stuff is really weird and I'm like that's that's like wholesome to me right Um, right well it seems like the overall theme is control they don't like you having control over your sex. They don't like you having control and being yeah. able to monetize, uh, you know, your yourself and, and sex in that way. Yeah. 
And I think it also goes back to, you know, what we were talking about with uh, getting reelected and all that stuff, because this stuff, it just kind of starts way back in the puritanical days. But there's never been a time in which a politician can make this an issue when they can come out and say, like, yeah, OK, now we can talk about sex work because but even now a, in a good way, in a good in a way, yeah, way, in a productive yeah. way, in a good way, because even now there's been no time in the last 100 years when a politician has been able to say, like, all right, let's open up the gates here. Let's well, start talking but, about sex work and still being, you know, and, and still being reelected the next year. But here here's mm. what I think is part of the issue. There's yet to be any large social movement that's actually valued or, or even centered sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had to struggle our way into like the women's March that initially like took mm. a bit out of uh, about sex work out of like their uh, their statement or whatever. Um, the Me Too movement were silenced there. Um, really, even like the more radical left mm. social justice oriented right. movements, sex workers have to claw their way into having even the smallest bit of a voice. I think really right now uh, is the time for people to understand that like sex workers are yes marginalized and Mm -hmm. like yes everyone knows at least one sex worker if you don't it's because they don't feel safe to tell you. Um, We need we need a social movement around sex work. Um, We need to completely change uh the way we've spoken about it and understand the difference between consensual sex work and trafficking and that these you know we can support consensual sex work and hate trafficking all sex workers do feel that way i feel like we've gone backwards you know i I just watched uh people versus larry flint again Mm -hmm. the other night it's so funny because i mean obviously it was all men hugh hefner uh larry flint um it was it was men that kind of controlled that industry but there was that undercurrent of like free love like okay let's sort of free the nipple that that whole thing mm-hmm. um do you feel like we've gone backwards and do you think that women uh can take a leadership role in setting a new standard for uh you know what is considered normal when it comes to sex you know i don't i don't think that we've moved backward i think it's easy to feel that way i yeah. think I, I think a lot of these things are intertwined when we think of trans rights and queer rights and Mm -hmm. you know being anti-racist um you know erratically eradicating colonialism and i think all these things entwine with sex work because a lot of people in more marginalized communities engage with sex work right um you know like the highest rates of violence against sex workers the people who experience the most amount of violence our trans women, our mm. indigenous women, our mm-hmm. black women, um, our poor women. Right. Um, the ones who the police are not looking out for. Exactly. Oh, looking out for the least. I mean, you go the the Trail of Tears in, uh, in Vancouver. Robert Picton in Vancouver, for fuck's sake, that got up to 50. Uh, and then it's in crazy. South Central L.A. in the 90s, this is something that no one talks about. There were five separate serial killers working in South, South Central <laughs> L.A. in the 90s, all preying on sex workers. And right. th- those, won't, surprise. those weren't even <laughs> yep. investigated. Yep. Like they were actually uh, the cops used to write uh, DNI on body bags, which stood for do not investigate, uh, which just said because they're mm-hmm. like, well, she's a sex worker. She's dead. Um, I'm not going to investigate this. We don't have time. Yeah. So do not investigate. It's a homicide. Yes. But 
Don't waste your time. And we had a chance to interview Rod Demery, who's the star of Murder Chose Me on uh, Investigative <laughs> Discovery. He was a detective for many years uh, in Louisiana, and he basically admitted that there were cops because we mentioned we talked to him about that. He's like, yeah, you know, I try to tell officers to treat everyone the same, but they just don't. Yeah, and that's just the way that uh, that that uh, yeah. unfortunately that is. There was but, there was a super high profile case. I want to say. A year ago um, in Oakland, Celeste Guap, who okay. um, was, I think at the time, 16, okay. and she was working as a sex worker um, by her own accord, um, but obviously still underage, right. and she was busted by the cops, and basically they were like, all right, we won't charge you if you have sex with us. Mm. And this was a thing that went on for, I think, at least some months, question mark, I'm Sorry, I'm forgetting all the different no, no. details, but right. more or less, like so they there preyed was, on her. Yes, there are yeah. multiple cops having sex with underage sex workers in exchange for, like, you know, promising them that they won't arrest them. Yep. Um, you know, that's I can guarantee, can say with certainty, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, that's why I mean, you have to decriminalize it. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. otherwise, as long as these people have that kind of power, yeah, I mean, they're going to use it. But or, even with, like, as far as like decriminalization goes, like, even with all this online stuff, like, yeah, this Craigslist killer uh, a few years ago, the right. guy right here in New York City, yep. or at least uh, out in Long Island, the, mm-hmm. the Giglo Beach killer that I think took down what thirteen women that he had met on Craigslist. Uh, so, I mean, even having things online, you know that. That might make it a little bit safer, but still, there's as long as it's illegal, people will find right. a way to make it violent. Exactly, uh, they'll always find a way to circumvent mm-hmm. it. Because there's there's no way for us to currently, you know, if a client is threatening us uh, or assaults us, we won't really have a way to deal with it. Well, you know, so yeah, talk about this. so if something does happen. Uh, is there any place that you can turn to other than uh, these these message boards and so you can express, be like, this dude is like this or whatever. Um, is there any place that you can turn to and get help and uh, and uh, try to av- get this person uh, out, of, uh, out of the industry? Oh, no. No. I mean, you can get, like, maybe some help in terms of, like, therapy or right. community support, but in terms of, like actually uh, any repercussions for a violent client no no zero nothing um the only thing that uh you know i have a friend uh here in new york who is a lawyer um does civil litigation and is uh doing this new thing i as i i think he has now two cases where um instead of going a criminal route uh these two sex workers are going a uh, civil route where they are just um, they're not mentioning anything about them being sex workers they're just like this man raped me and I want damages right um, and you know frankly like yeah getting money pretty it's better than nothing oh, um, yeah. you know and you know I think it's also complicated I personally um, I'm not for incarceration I don't think it's helpful I wouldn't even if you know I had a violent client I wouldn't want him to be incarcerated i just wouldn't want him to be able to see sex workers again right um and it would be great you know if there would be some rehabilitation happening but you know that's that's like a whole other thing yeah we do not Um, have a system that rehabilitates that's Um, for sure and we don't have a government that understands how i mean the reason there's 
everyone, uh, the majority of people who are in Congress are former prosecutors. Yeah. And that's not on accident. You know, that's just, we do not write laws with any kind of humanity attached to them whatsoever. We live in, a, as you mentioned, a puritanical punishing society. Yeah. And that's exactly what this law seems to be doing. Yeah. And to the wrong people. Yeah. yeah. That's the massive yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, I'll say here, last podcast network, we are a goddamn pro-sex worker. Absolutely. Ooh, I appreciate so. that so much. <laughs> well, we've, um, we've just spent so much time on last podcast yeah. uh, learning about and talking about like how many people get killed yeah, you know, and over and over and over again because it's yeah. not safe. And also like yeah. kind of get because we've uh, I did an interview with a mm. woman who survived mm. Robert Picton. Uh, who was, you know, pulled into his car and almost mm. get, came very, very close to being a victim. Uh, yeah. But we've, you know, learned we've learned quite a bit about sex workers and the lives that are led over the years. So we right. here here at the network, we are very, very Absolutely. much pro. And it, it's just hypocritical. You know, yeah. I, I want to see that list. Yeah. I want to see that Washington list. Unless you voted against it, in which case, okay, you've done your. Did good. you yeah. Did you see what um, Spank Chain is doing? Spank Chain. Spank Chain. I love Spank. that. Okay. No, I do not know what Spank Chain is, is, but it is. I learned something new every day. Sex work, a uh, pro sex work cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. So they are offering. I'm investing in this. I did not do Bitcoin. I am doing Spank Chain for so sure. So they are offering twenty five thousand dollars. To the first, like, four sex workers that are willing to go public with their stories about being uh, – about clients who voted for this legislation. Wow. Damn. And it's legit. It has been it has been vetted. It is legit. Okay. My yeah. fingers are crossed. I mean, but it's terrifying because it's <laughs> oh like, you know, even with $25,000, you know, there's a huge power imbalance. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. These, these – Workers could get disappeared. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just, uh, absolutely. Just disappear, but like sued into oblivion yeah. for libel and slander. Yeah. Like, it, because yeah. they, unless they have proof, that's what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. we usually do between, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I am sad to say that uh, I don't, I've never had like some high profile politician client crossing my fingers. But let's um, just say Monica wasn't the only one who kept the dress. <laughs> Gotcha. Let's yep. just say that, Marcus. <laughs> Stormy Daniels also apparently kept the dress. Ooh. I don't know what is, what's going on with all that. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that we uh, that you want to really hit on? No, I think we covered a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, thank you. I want to say one thing. Yes, actually. of course, sir. Yeah. No, I just want to say going back to something you were saying earlier and something we were talking about before we came on here. You know, there's been a real resurgence of I think like left wing and like leftist politics in this country, and that's been great. But it's also been disappointing to see how that really hasn't you know turned out the support in, of for sex workers that we've you know we probably should be seeing over bills like this mm -hmm. so i'm an organizer with democratic socialists of america right now and if you're in dsa or if you are on the left if you belong to a union if you're if you're someone who just in any ways consider themselves a person on the left this is a labor issue this is a class right. issue yeah sex work is work and we need to be supportive of our fellow workers yes yeah, so a sex work is is there any union any unionizing? No. That would I be mean, a yeah, they're not like part of the fucking UAW. Well, there is. I mean, you know, the SEIU or something like that. I have no idea. Well, the, well as an aside, the, 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 the strippers in New York City have been trying to unionize. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, the stripper yeah. strike, that's a thing. Um, I know less about that. I'm not a stripper, nor have I ever been. I obviously support them, but I know less about that situation. Right, but right, right. they were trying to unionize, I think, also the lusty lady and... San Francisco, they that was unionized. Like strippers right. have unionized before, but um, that's because their work is legal. You can't, right. you know, escorts, for example, we can't unionize because uh, 
their work is illegal. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sam. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing your experience. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. Thank you guys for oh, having dear. me. Yes. So your tarot show, it's Facebook. It's Thursdays. It's yes. around uh, 1 p.m. It's, and it's through Broadly. So Broadly, the, the kind of feminist vertical over their advice, I do it specifically through them. But awesome. I, you can also find all of my articles online. You can find me at um, City Mystic on Instagram, and you can find me at Sarah the Lion, L-Y-O-N, on Twitter. All right. Marcus, anything? I think we're good. I'm good to go, You know man. where to find us on social media. But, you know, I'm actually, Twitter's, I'm doing good. I'm just going in and I'm getting out. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's with Twitter. No fights. No, no fights on tw- Twitter. No fight. It's full of fights. It's full of fights. <laughs> it's no. full of fights. I've gotten to where like if I, I'll I'll go into my uh, mentions just terrified. It's like who's being mean today? But people are usually very nice. Marcus usually. Parks, Ben Kissel, Ben Kissel on Instagram, Marcus Parks for uh, Instagram as well. Um, all right, thanks so much for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon.